welcome to Plants in Our Health. I'm Helena. I'm Tom. I'm Arden. If you've been following this mini-series, you'll know that we're almost at the end. Yeah, we only have one final theme to cover with two more guests. That's right, and this final theme is the future of plants. For this episode, we're going to dig into the conservation of plants and the many ways that we might preserve them for the future. Uh, So Aaron, who's joining us this week? Our guest this week is Dr. Pete Hollingsworth. He's Director of Science and Conservation at the Royal Botanic Garden, Edinburgh. Pete has worked on numerous projects conserving plants on land, underwater, and using a variety of techniques, some of which we're going to explore. Sounds awesome. Let's jump right in. So thanks very much, Pete, for coming on the podcast. Would you like to give yourself a little introduction? Well, I'm uh, Pete Hollingsworth. I'm the Director of Science and Deputy Keeper at the Royal Botanic Garden, Edinburgh. Yes. And today we are looking at our last theme in Plants and Our Health, the future of plants. So we're going to be looking at plant conservation and how people are preserving plants in many different ways. This is something that we've somewhat touched upon in earlier episodes, but now it's going to be the complete focus. And as head of science and conservation at the botanics and even in other projects that you do, plant conservation is a very large part of your career, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. At the minute, the estimates of the proportion of plant species threatened are up to about 40%. So it's an incredible proportion of plant diversity on Earth that's facing a threat. And it's critically important that there's an effective large-scale response to this. Yeah, indeed. The reason we really wanted to take the podcast in this direction was We've examined all of the ways that plants are useful for us as humans. Well, not all of them, definitely not, but uh, we've tried to explore a bit. And now we're interested in looking at, well, now we've examined how important they are. How are we as scientists, conservationists, as a society, hopefully, how are we tackling protecting them? So what does conserving plants look like? I know that's a bit of a broad question, but it can also come with a broad answer. And it is a wonderfully broad set of activities. And I think the key key thing is just to recognize that it's operating at a whole range of different scales. So conserving plants can at one level range from the protection of a few individuals of a species critically threatened with extinction through to thinking about major national or even continental scale programs for the design of protected areas, the guidance around land use choices. There are many trade-offs in in how we use the planet and plant conservation can at some level be protecting areas and keeping them as intact and as pristine as possible. And in other cases, it can be the integration of conservation thinking with a multitude of other uses of the land so there's this there's this complete range of scales from handfuls of individuals to major decisions about how large areas of the planet are managed and when you say integration of other ways that the land is is used what do you mean by that Well, there can be decisions about how our farming practices work, 
There can be decisions about how we design our cities and, and urban areas to integrate green space. And so, so generally seeing that there are a, a, a multitude of uses for the land, a multitude of ways that which we as humans interact with the planet and making decisions that optimize how we use the land for the benefits that we wish to derive from it, but also to conserve the, the biodiversity that's present. Yeah, so it's really about recognizing the breadth of impacts that humans can have on plants and nature in all of the diversities of ways that we use the land. Obviously, it's the plant's land as well, and we are infringing upon that. Yeah, and I, th I think that you, you're touching there on, an, on a very interesting point because there is the intrinsic value of nature. That's the, the recognition that, that we as humans are one species and we, and we share the planet with, with many others. And there is the, I think there is a, you know, a, a real sense of responsibility for managing the planet's biodiversity, thinking as, as humans as custodians and living alongside nature, which has an intrinsic value. But one can also view it from the perspective of that there are great benefits to humans from managing the planet's biodiversity and a biodiverse planet can offer considerable resilience to environmental change and nature provides a huge amount of benefits to human society so it, it's it's not a purely there are there are benefits there are benefits to humans for conserving nature as well as being uh, you know responsible environmental citizens yeah, and I think it's useful. It's a useful and a practical way to look at it, identifying the values that nature has and the individual plant species have. And it's a practical way to convince people who have power, perhaps, to preserve plants and preserve nature. But you're absolutely right. It's really, I think, an important part of this story that we encourage people to recognize the intrinsic value of nature and that even if it's not giving us you know a specific service it still has a right to be there and that itself creates a, an interesting challenge for conservation and it's it, it's about finding the right balance there will be some audiences and some people who will be primarily interested in what are the benefits that I am provided with by by taking this action and there will be others that are motivated more by the intrinsic value of nature and in practice it's that mixed economy of reasons for conserving nature that's important and i don't think one can go too far in 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 either direction and expect to achieve maximum success it is clear that there are many societal needs for accessing natural resources and, and, and use of, of the planet and therefore integrating how people live alongside nature is of great importance. But if we distill the issue down to protecting the goods and services that nature provide to humanity, I think we're likely to lose a lot of biodiversity by doing that because the biodiversity on the planet was not designed to meet the goods and services required by 
humanity in 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 2021 there are there are many there are many species that exist uh many that we as yet do not know about many that have not been formally described and the, the the roles and functions of many of these species are unknown so it's it's keeping that that mixed thinking thinking about how biodiversity can benefit society but also thinking what are the steps that can be taken to conserve biodiversity as an intrinsic part of of the planet on which we reside. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, I think that you've touched on a really important part of the ideas behind conservation in that it, it is a mixed approach in what strategy you take. Sometimes we're looking at conserving specific services that an ecosystem provides, you know, ecosystem services. And sometimes we're looking at preserving biodiversity or even individual species. And sometimes we're also looking at preserving within species genetic material. And what the focus is in different projects and as conservation as a as a field, which you should focus on has been, I think, an evolving discussion for a while now. As someone who's probably part of that discussion, is there anything you can say about where the discussion is maybe heading and how you decide which is the most important in each project to focus on? I think that there's a consistency of message around the discrete, well, discreetly described elements of, of, of biodiversity and that all of them are of importance and that's the the diversity down at the, the genetic level, diversity of, of genes and, and the recognition that conserving a, a species doesn't just involve maintaining one or two individuals and expecting that the task is completed. So genetic variation is an important component of diversity and that that's the raw material that allows species and, and populations to adapt and change. So biodiversity at that that genetic level is important and one could argue particularly important at a time of a lot of global environmental change and allowing species to to adapt and adjust to that change species themselves are the basic currency of nature they're the unit that people understand very clearly and they reflect a key a key element of nature and they're the subject of many conservation programs and then of course at a larger scale at the, at the habitat scale and the ecosystem scale it's the some of those species and their interactions and their their functioning together but i guess one of the lessons that i've learned looking at conservation through time is that although the emphasis at any one point in time can shift among these different levels of biodiversity and how to do it that th- because they're all important at some point all of them will be considered and 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 the emphasis may move in one direction at one point in time and move back in another direction at a later point in time i think the the big as the big issue is that as the as, as the population of the planet continues to grow and as our demand for natural resources continues to grow that there is absolute recognition that we need to think about how people live alongside nature as well as thinking about the nature reserves, the, the national parks as being the place where, where nature is conserved. 
And of course, there are multiple benefits to doing that. One is that you're widening the the area in which biodiversity is, is being conserved and managed. But the more people are connected with nature, the more it's something that is part of everybody's everyday life, then the easier it is to increase awareness of the steps that individuals can take to protect the environment. And plant conservation is heading in some really interesting directions now thanks to new technologies that have come about really in the past decade or so. And this is something that you're really quite focused on in your current plant conservation work, isn't it? Yeah, I think technology offers some incredible opportunities to understand biodiversity and conserve it. And these range from scales of individual genes through to satellites in space to monitor biodiversity change. And it's critically important that we make the very best use of these technologies given the scale of the challenge. I'm particularly interested in how we can use genetic and genomic technologies to support plant conservation. And there are two major strands of work that I'm involved in. One is a a really ambitious new project called the Darwin Tree of Life. And this project aims to genome sequence, so sequence the entire genomes, the entire DNA of all species that occur in in Britain and Ireland. That's about 70,000 different species. It's a collaboration across multiple different organisations. And this offers the potential to be transformative and to gain some really powerful insights into their genomic makeup and then to use that information to better understand how they function, to understand how they're likely to respond to pressures and environmental change and to guide future management. And that's one of these groundbreaking programmes getting all of the DNA out of all of the species in Britain and Ireland, and that's made possible by recent developments in genome sequencing technologies. The other very exciting project involved in is one called the International Barcode of Life Project. And here the aim isn't to sequence all of the DNA from an individual species. It's to sequence just a tiny little bit of DNA but to do it from lots of individuals from all of the species on the planet, those that we already know about, which is about 2 million, and those that we don't yet know about, which is probably another 8 or 10 million. And here the principle is to use the minimum amount of DNA possible to tell as many species apart as possible. And this is really important for knowing whether a given species is common or rare, threatened or not threatened, in the first instance, you need to be able to recognize it when you encounter it. And that's true for conservationists doing survey work. But the importance of plant identification, the importance of species identification runs through all of our human interactions with nature. And that can be as practical as assessing whether a species that's being traded, knowing what that species is, whether it's protected, whether trade is allowed, and if trade is not allowed, therefore supporting the enforcement of 
actions to protect species against illegal trade. So there are there are just an absolute multitude of reasons why being able to identify something is important for its conservation. And the DNA barcoding approach is allowing us to, at a very large scale, transform our ability to identify biodiversity and monitor biodiversity with the ultimate aim of being able to set up a large-scale distributed network of DNA-based biomonitoring stations that is providing real-time coverage of an understanding of biodiversity around the planet. Really exciting times. Yeah, it's a really exciting vision to be able to say that every known species in the world and perhaps beyond that i guess there'll be every known species once we found them all um, but to be able to say every known species in the world is something that we are able to keep tabs on and can monitor through dna technology yeah it seems seems very futuristic and it would be fantastic to be able to see so if anyone who's listening is finding themselves hopefully inspired to do something about plant conservation whether it be in their career or whether it be in, even in their spare time where would you kind of point people towards? You know, there's a lot of things that people can volunteer with in their, their spare time to make meaningful contributions towards plant conservation. At a very local level, there are many different plant conservation or, or general conservation organizations, and that can be one of the easiest, easiest ways to start to contact the local wildlife groups, the local conservation organizations. From perspective of the Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh, if for people thinking about a career in plant conservation, I'm going to give a, a, a plug for our own uh, master's course. We run a, a master's course in the biodiversity and taxonomy of plants. And this is a wonderful course with a broad range of training across plant biodiversity through to the various steps that can be taken to conserve biodiversity. And that course has got a, a really good track record in terms of the people that have completed the course going on then to careers in plant conservation. So I'd encourage people to go to the, the Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh website to look for details of that. And then there are a multitude of conservation charities, and it depends on, on what bit of conservation you're interested in. I'm personally... Uh, involved in the work of the Bumblebee Conservation Trust in, in the UK, an absolutely fantastic conservation charity. And using that as an example of, of, of a conservation charity, there are numerous public engagement events, but also programs where individuals can take part following a, a guidance for, for surveying bumblebees in their local area and you can choose a, a daily walk and to undertake that walk and record the bumblebees that are present and then feed that information in to a large central database tracking how bumblebees are, are, are doing the, the diversity of bumblebees the abundance of bumblebees and that's a sort of really nice way in which individuals can be contributing at a local level to a large national scale program tracking 
biodiversity and gaining an overall picture of the trajectory of a really important element of of the nation's species diversity. Yeah, there is such a broad range of things out there and no matter what your interests might be, hopefully there's something out there that that suits you and that you would be able to get involved with whatever your time restraints or interests might be. I, I absolutely agree. And coming back to, I think, a point we've touched on at numerous points in our conversation now is conservation is operating at multiple different scales and the ways that individuals can contribute to it operate at many different scales. And that can just be very small scale actions in in day-to-day lives it can be joining local groups or it can be developing a a career dedicated to taking conservation forward absolutely and thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your plant conservation career and your perspectives it's been very inspiring for me and i think for everyone who's listened as well it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you Fantastic. And if anybody wanted to follow up anything that you've said, uh, is there a best way to do that? Yeah, contacting me via rbge.org.uk and there's a contact us function there. Okay, thanks again so much for, uh, for coming on and chatting to me today. Absolute pleasure. Very nice to speak. Thanks for listening to another episode of Plants and Our Health. To find out more about what Pete is doing or what you could do to conserve plants, you can reach him via the Contact Us page on the Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh website. Just be sure to make out your message to him and he'll get it. And of course, don't forget to come back again next week for the final episode of Plants and Our Health. We're going to give you an extended season finale to celebrate reaching the end of the series and we'll be joined by a very exciting guest, so be sure not to miss it. This episode of Plants in Our Health was produced by Aaron Devere and brought to you by Not Another Science podcast from the Edinburgh University Science Magazine, where we explore fascinating themes and ideas, talk to awesome researchers about their work, and find out about the science being done right here in Edinburgh. If you have any feedback for us, or if you'd like to get in touch with a question or suggestion, you can reach us on our Facebook page, Edinburgh University Science Media, or at our Twitter, at USCI. That's at E-U-S-C-I. You can also shoot us an email at usci.podcast at gmail.com, and you can see the show notes and leaf through the latest issue of the magazine at usci.org.uk. Not Another Science Podcast is hosted by me, Helena Cornu, and my partner in crime, Tom Edwick. The podcast manager is Alex Bailey. Podcast logo was designed by USI Chief Editor Apple Chu, and the terrific episode art for this series was designed by Heather Jones, a social media and marketing genius. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, keep it leafy!